0: volume the first chapter 12 of helen this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by michelle eaton helen by maria edgeworth volume the first chapter 12 one evening helen was looking over a beautiful scrapbook of lady cecilia's beau clerk who had stood by for some time eyeing it in rather scornful silence at length asked whether miss stanley was a lover of albums and autographs helen had no album of her own she said but she was curious always to see the autographs of celebrated people why said Beauclerk. i don't know it seems to bring one nearer to them it gives more reality to our imagination of them perhaps said helen the imagination is probably in most cases better than the reality replied he Lady Davenant stooped over Helen's shoulder to look at the handwriting of the Earl of Essex, the writing of the gallant Earl of Essex, at sight of which, as she observed, the hearts of queens have beat high. What a crowd of associated ideas rise at the sight of that autograph, who can look at it without some emotion. Helen could not. Beauclerk, in a tone of raillery, said he was sure, from the eager interest Miss Stanley took in these autographs, that she would in time become a collector herself and he did not doubt that he should see her with a valuable museum in which should be preserved the old pens of great men that of cardinal Chigi, for instance who boasted that he wrote with the same pen for fifty years and by that boast you know said lady davenant convinced the cardinal de retz that he was not a great but a very little man we will not have that pen in helen's museum why not Beauclerc asked it was full as well worth having as many of the relics to be found in most young ladies and even old gentlemen's museums it was quite sufficient whether a man had been great or little that he had been talked of that he had been something of a lion to make anything belonging to him valuable to collectors who preserve and worship even the pairings of lions claws the class of indiscriminate collectors Helen gave up to his ridicule. Still he was not satisfied. He went on to the whole class of lion hunters, as he called them, condemning indiscriminately all those who were anxious to see celebrated people. He hoped Miss Stanley was not one of that class. No, not a lion hunter, said Helen. She hoped she never should be one of that set, but she confessed she had a great desire to see and to know distinguished persons and she hoped that this sort of curiosity, or as she would rather call it enthusiasm, was not ridiculous, and did not deserve to be confounded with the mere trifling vulgar taste for sightseeing and lion-hunting. Beauclerc half smiled, but, not answering immediately, Lady Davenant said that for her part she did not consider such enthusiasm as ridiculous. On the contrary, she liked it, especially in young people i consider the warm admiration of talent and virtue in youth as a promise of future excellence in maturer age and yet said Beauclerc, the maxim not to admire is i believe the most approved in philosophy and in practice is the great secret of happiness in this world in the fine world it is a fine air i know said lady davenant among a set of fashionable young it is doubtless the only art they know to make men happy or to keep them so but this has nothing to do with philosophy beauclerk though it has to do with conceit or affection mr Beauclerc, now piqued with a look and a voice of repressed feeling said that he hoped her ladyship did not include him among the set of fashionable somnambulists. i hope you will not include yourself in it answered lady davenant it is contrary to your nature, and if you join the Neil Admirari coxcombs, it can be only for fashion's sake, mere affectation. Beauclerk made no reply, and Lady Davenant, turning to Helen, told her that several celebrated people were soon to come to Clarendon Park, and congratulated her upon the pleasure she would have in seeing them. Besides being a great pleasure, it is a real advantage, continued she, to see and be acquainted early in life with superior people it enables one to form a standard of excellence and raises that standard high and bright in men the enthusiasm becomes glorious ambition to excel in arts or arms in women it refines and elevates the taste and is so far a preventative against frivolous vulgar company and all their train of follies and vices i can speak from my own recollection of the great happiness it was to me when i early in life became acquainted with some of the illustrious of my day and may i ask said beauclerk if any of them equalled the expectations you had formed of them some far exceeded them said lady davenant you were fortunate everybody cannot expect to be so happy said beauclerk i believe in general it is found that a few great men of any times stand the test of near acquaintance no man spare me cried lady davenant interrupting him for she imagined she knew what he was going to say oh spare me that old sentence no man is a hero to his valet de chambre i cannot endure to hear that for the thousandth time i heartily wish it had never been said at all so do i replied Beauclerc, but lady davenant had turned away and he now spoke in so low a voice that only Helen heard him. So do I detest that quotation, not only for being hackneyed, but for having been these hundred years the comfort both of lean-jawed envy and fat mediocrity. He took up one of Helen's pencils and began to cut it. He looked vexed, and low to her observed, Lady Davenant did not do me the honour to let me finish my sentence. Then, said Helen, if lady davenant misunderstood you why do not you explain no no it is not worth while if she could so mistake me but anybody may be mistaken do explain no no said he very diligently cutting the pencil to pieces she is engaged you see with somebody something else but now she has done listening no no not now there are too many people and it's of no consequence by this time the company were all eagerly talking of every remarkable person they had seen or that they regretted not having seen lady cecilia now called upon each to name the man among the celebrated of modern days whom they should most like to have seen by acclamation they all named sir walter scott the ariosto of the north all but beau Clerk. he did not join the general voice he said low to helen with an air of disgust how tired i am of hearing him called the ariosto of the north but by whatever name said helen surely you join in the general wish to have seen him yes yes i am sure of your vote cried lady cecilia coming up to them you granville would rather have seen sir walter scott than any author since shakespeare would not you pardon me on the contrary i am glad that i have never seen him glad not to have seen him not the word not was repeated with astonished incredulous emphasis by all voices glad not to have seen sir walter scott how extraordinary what can mr beauclerk mean to make us all stare said lady davenant so do not gratify him do not wonder at him we cannot believe what is impossible you know only because it is impossible but continued she laughing i know how it is the spirit of contradiction the spirit of singularity two of your familiars granville have got possession of you again and we must have patience while the fit is on but i have not and will not have patience said lord davenant whose good nature seldom failed but who was now quite indignant i wonder you are surprised my dear lord said lady davenant for mr Beauclerk likes so much better to go wrong by himself than to go right with all the world that you could not expect that he would join the loud voice of universal praise i hear the loud voice of universal execration said beauclerk you have all abused me but whom have i abused what have i said nothing replied lady cecilia that is what we complain of i could have better borne any abuse than indifference to sir walter scott indifference exclaimed beauclerk what did i say lady cecilia from which you could infer that i felt indifference indifferent to him whose name i cannot pronounce without emotion i alone of all the world indifferent to that genius pre-eminent and unrivalled who has so long commanded the attention of the whole reading public arrested at will the instant order of the day by tales of other times and in this commonplace this everyday existence of ours, created a holiday world, where, undisturbed by vulgar cares, we may revel in a fancy region of felicity, peopled with men of other times, shades of the historic dead, more illustrious and brighter than in life. Yes, the great enchanter, cried Cecilia. Great and good enchanter, continued Beauclerk, for in his magic there is no dealing with unlawful means. To work his ends, there is never aid from any one of the bad passions of our nature in his writings there is no private scandal no personal satire no bribe to human frailty no libel upon human nature and among the lonely the sad and the suffering how has he medicine to repose the undisturbed mind or elevated the dejected spirit perhaps fanned to a flame the unquenched spark in souls not wholly lost to virtue His morality is not in purple patches, ostentatiously obtrusive, but woven in through the very texture of the stuff. He paints man as he is, with all his faults, but with his redeeming virtues, the world as it goes, with all its compensating good and evil, yet making each man better contented with his lot. Without our well-knowing how, the whole tone of our minds is raised, for, thinking nobly of our kind, he makes us think more nobly of ourselves." Helen who had sympathized with Beauclerk in every word he had said felt how true it is that next to genius is the power of feeling where true genius lies yes after all this granville said lady cecilia you would make us believe you never wished to have seen this great man beauclerk made no answer oh how i wish i had seen him said helen to lady davenant the only person present who had had that happiness "'If you have seen Rayburn's admiral pictures "'or Chantry's speaking bust,' replied Lady Davenant, "'you have as complete an idea of Sir Walter Scott "'as painting or sculpture can give.' "'The first impression of his appearance and manner "'was surprising to me. "'I recollect from its quiet, unpretending good nature, "'but scarcely had that impression been made "'before I was struck with something "'of the chivalrous courtesy of other times. "'In his conversation,' you would have found all that is most delightful in all his works, the combined talent and knowledge of the historian, novelist, antiquary and poet. He recited poetry admirably, his whole face and figure kindling as he spoke, but whether talking, reading or reciting, he never tired me, even with admiring, and it is curious that, in conversing with him, I frequently found myself forgetting that I was speaking to Sir Walter Scott. What is even more extraordinary, forgetting that Sir Walter Scott was speaking to me, till I was awakened to the conviction by his saying something which no one else could have said. Altogether, he was certainly the most perfectly agreeable and perfectly amiable great man I ever knew. And now, Mamma said Lady Cecilia, do make Granville confess honestly he would give the world to have seen him do lady davenant said helen who saw or thought she saw a singular emotion in beauclerk's countenance and fancied he was upon the point of yielding but lady davenant without looking at him replied no my dear i will not ask him i will not encourage him in affectation at that word dark grew the brow of beauclerk and he drew back as it were into his shell and out of it came no more that night nor the next morning at breakfast but as far as could be guessed he suffered internally and no effort made to relieve did him any good so every one seemed to agree that it was much better to let him alone or let him be moody in peace hoping that in time the mood would change but it changed not till the middle of that day when as helen was sitting working in lady davenant's room while she was writing two quick knocks were heard at the door come in said lady davenant Mr. Beauclerk stood pausing on the threshold. "'Do not go, Miss Stanley,' said he, looking very miserable and ashamed, and proud, and then ashamed again. "'What is the matter, Granville?' said Lady Davenant. "'I am come to have a thorn taken out of my mind,' said he. Two thorns which have sunk deep kept me awake half the night. Perhaps I ought to be ashamed to own. I have felt pain from such little things, but so it is. Though, after all, I am afraid they will be invisible to you, Lady Davenant.' I will try with a magnifying glass, said she. Lend me that of your imagination, Granville. A high power, and do not look so very miserable, or Miss Stanley will laugh at you. Miss Stanley is too good to laugh. That is being too good indeed, said Lady Davenant. Well, now to the point. You were very unjust to me, Lady Davenant, yesterday, and unkind. Unkind is a woman's word, but go on. Surely man may mark unkindness. Altered eye as well as woman, said Beauclerk and from a woman and a friend he may and must feel it or he is more or less than man now what can you have to say granville that will not be anticlimax to this exordium i will say no more if you talk of exordiums and anticlimaxes," cried he you accused me yesterday of affectation twice when i was no more affected than you are oh is that my crime is that what has hurt you so dreadfully here is the thorn that has gone in so deep "'I am afraid that, as is usual, the accusation hurt the more, "'because it was, do not say true,' interrupted Beauclerc. "'for you really cannot believe it, Lady Davenant. "'You know me, and all my faults, and I have plenty, "'but you need not accuse me of one that I have not, "'and which from the bottom of my soul I despise. "'Whatever are my faults, they are at least real, and my own.' "'You may allow him that,' said Helen. "'Well, I will, I do,' said Lady Davenant.' to appease you, poor injured innocence, though anyone in the world might think you affected at this moment. Yet I, who know you, know that it is pure real folly. Yes, yes, I acquit you of affectation. Beauclerk's face instantly cleared up. But you said two thorns had gone into your mind. One is out. Now for the other. I do not feel that other now, said Beauclerk. It was only a mistake. When I began with no man— i was not going to say no man is a hero to his valet de chambre if i had been allowed to finish my sentence it would have saved a great deal of trouble i was going to say that no man admires excellence more fervently than i do and that my very reason for wishing not to see celebrated people is lest the illusion should be dispelled no description ever gives us an exact idea of any person so that when any one has been much described and talked of before we see them we form in our mind's eye some image some notion of our own which always proves to be unlike the reality and when we do afterwards see it even if it be fairer or better than our imagination still at first there is a sort of disappointment from the non-agreement with our previously formed conception everybody is disappointed the first time they see hamlet or falstaff as i think Douglas stewart observes true and I remember said Lady Davenant Madame de la roche once said to me, I hate that people should come to see me. I know it destroys the illusion. Yes, cried Beauclerc. How much I dread to destroy any of those blessed illusions which make the real happiness of life. Let me preserve the objects of my idolatry. I would not approach too near the shrine. I fear too much light. I would not know that they were false. Would you then be deceived? said lady davenant yes cried he sooner would i believe in all the fables of the talmud than be without the ecstasy of veneration it is the curse of age to be thus miserably disenchanted to outlive all our illusions all our hopes that may be my doom in age but in youth the high springtime of existence i will not be cursed with such a premature ossification of the heart oh rather ten thousand times rather would i die this instant well, but there is not the least occasion for you dying, said Lady Davenant, and I am seriously surprised that you should suffer so much from such slight causes. How will you ever get through the world if you stop thus, to weigh every light word? The words of most people, replied he, pass me like the idle wind, but I do weigh every word from the very few whom I esteem, admire, and love. With my friends, perhaps I am too susceptible i love them so deeply this is an excuse for susceptibility of temper which flatters friends too much to be easily rejected even lady davenant admitted it and helen thought it was all natural end of volume the first chapter twelve